Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Market View on Money FM 89.3. All right, welcome to Market View. It's Market Wrap of the Week. And before we get Jeff Howie on, let's just take a quick look at how markets are faring. Take a look at the SGX website. It looks like the STI is well up in the green. It's currently up 1.1% at 3,283 points. Advancers are well outnumbering decliners 316 to 172 after 807 million securities worth 561 million Singapore dollars change hands so far. So it looks like the STI is going to end on a good note. So without a further ado, let's invite Jeff Howie, market strategist at the SGX, to find out how the STI performed in the past week. Jeff, welcome back. Hey, thanks so much, Hongwin. Thank you for joining me today. Jeff, it looks like the STI is well up in the green today. It did open in the green as well. How did the STI perform this past week? Yeah, it's made a difference today's move. Mm. So the prior two weeks ahead of this week, we'd, we'd seen the STI trade a very uh, narrow band. Around 1.5% was the range between mm-hmm. 3,200 and 32.45. And this week, we've seen the 3,200 lower band remain in play, mm-hmm. but the STI has broke above that 32.40 to 32.45 level to be testing the mid-3280s by the end of the morning session. So mm-hmm. it means that the STIs are now up around 2.3% on the week. That's coincided with uh, the CSI 300 also firmer on the week, up around eight tenths of a percent. And mm-hmm. that's also uh, shown that the China policymakers lowering their reserve requirement ratio by 25 bips uh, was very much expected. Mm, okay. So who were the biggest movers on the STI this week? Uh, Wilmar International, City Developments, DBS, Capital and Investment and Venture Corp are the mm. five stocks that have led the STI. And pretty similar gains from Wilmar's 3.8% uh, return down to Venture Corp's 3.5% return. Mm-hmm. But on the on the other side of it, you've got Hong Kong Land Holdings, Fraser Logistics and Commercial Trust, Yangtze Jung Shipbuilding, Jardim Matheson Holdings and Maple Tree Industrial Trust, mm-hmm. the laggards for the week and those five stocks average 2.2% declines. Mm-hmm. I'll just also add on the on the REIT front, you've had mm-hmm. Fraser's Hospitality Trust and Ames APAC REIT lead, mm-hmm. lead the REITs over the week. I see, I see. And I also want to talk about one of the biggest headlines this week and that involves Olam Group. It denied allegations of this, you know, multi-billion dollar fraud in Nigeria and ordered a review into the matter. What are the latest developments on that front and how are Olam shares faring at the moment? Uh, early in the week, Olam Group did call for a trading yeah. halt and, and did file two company announcements as well. So that first announcement on Monday mm-hmm. denied the allegations uh, in the media reports about Olam Nigeria and its subsidiaries being involved in this multi-billion dollar fraud. Mm. And then the next announcement on Wednesday, Olam informed that it had been notified by the Olam Nigeria business that it Mm. had posted a bond for one of its directors to Mm. secure his continued cooperation. So the company also added that it continues to cooperate fully with the relevant authorities and obviously we'll update shareholders accordingly. So during the week, the stock declined around 15% in the mm. week from $1.28 to close last week to $1.08 in the morning session. Mm-hmm. The low for the week has been $1.04. That's mm-hmm. a 14-year low. Mm. And it's also stretched its price-to-book ratio down to 0.63 times, which is 
a bit lower than that five-year PB ratio, which is closer to 1.0 at that uh, 0.097 times. Mm, I see, I see. And you mentioned this earlier, city development as one of the biggest movers on the STI this week. And I I just want to dive in a little deeper on this. There was news last week for city development to acquire a hotel in Japan. And this week, it put in a bid of $294 million for a tender for a government land sale located at Champions Way. How did CDL shares react to this move? And how significant is it for CDL's long-term growth outlook? Well, it has definitely had a reaction in its share price. So it ended last year at Mm $6.69 and was trading at $6.93 this morning. So that momentum really came from Thursday and Friday following that Champions Way announcement. Its definitive consensus estimates is Mm -hmm. for around $8.24 over the next 18 months. And Wilson and Morgan Stanley on Wednesday also affirmed that target price of $8.20 that Morgan Stanley have Mm -hmm. on it. Why is this? Because they won this bid at, I think it was $904 $904 per square foot per mm-hmm. plot ratio for this tended plot along Champions Way in Woodlands. Mm-hmm. And that Champions Way is the first government land sales tender in Woodlands that excludes exact condominiums and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, City Development says that the site will replenish its land bank as well, and that can ensure a stable launch pipeline. So I think the site garnered around six bids in total, mm-hmm. and it has been over a decade since a private residential project was launched in Woodlands. So, yeah. Yeah, it was quite a significant milestone. Mm, I see, I see. And another milestone, uh, and this is for SGX. It looks like SGX and BlackRock, which is the world's largest asset manager, announced this week that they will roll out a landmark climate action fund to spur sustainable investing in Asia. And this is apparently the largest equity ETF launched in Singapore. BlackRock says it is an evolutionary step in the development of the global global low-carbon transition investment ecosystem. Can you tell us more about it? Yeah, so the underlying index, it's the iShares MSCI Asia Pac X mm. Japan Climate Action ETF, which means it's ba- really essentially based on Asian companies, excluding Japan, uh, and their green transition. Right. So it, more specifically, I guess, it comprises of those stocks that are assessed to be seen to be leaders in their mm. sector peers in terms of their positioning, such as actions related to climate yeah. transition. Uh, the index balances companies' transition risks against their own carbon emission reduction targets and climate risk management. Mm-hmm. And it does that in order to select the top 50% of companies in each of the sectors. Uh, mm-hmm. It has over 600 constituents. The largest are TSMC, oh, wow. Alibaba, Tencent, uh, as well as Singapore's DBS. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it was a pretty large ETF launch because the initial AUM is, a, is close to $430 US million. Mm-hmm. Um, it brings the total assets under management of all Singapore-listed ETFs to above the $11 billion Sing dollar mark. It also offers one of the lowest annual management fees mm-hmm. among the major Asia-X-Japan ETFs. Uh, I think the all-inclusive fee is something like close to uh, 0.2%. I think it's 0.18% of the net asset value. So when you have large GTF issuers, obviously, they had that scale in order to um, provide those low annual management fees. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as you said, strategic partnerships and so forth, I think productization is really important mm. to our service offering. Uh, and do remember, we, we did launch those three SDRs that mm-hmm. do provide 
investors that opportunity to have exposure to some of Thailand's largest blue chip companies, mm. airports of Thailand, CPE All and PTTEP. And then uh, more recently too, I think it was only a little over two weeks ago, we launched our first structured certificate um, and that's and it, uh, linked to uh, top 50 global stock bond market cap, and that's mm-hmm. as we, that stock we mentioned before, Alibaba. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this this structured certificate makes use of multiple securities to kind of create this, you know, basically a risk return structure that replicates a payoff of uh, various derivatives that include a short put option on Alibaba. So it's it's a it's a product for sophisticated investors, but nonetheless very much part of our front foot forward mm-hmm. in ongoing productization and bringing more of the world's markets to Singapore. Mm, it looks like a very big landmark decision indeed, especially in terms of spurring sustainable investing here in Asia. Well, Jeff, with global focus on a lower carbon and more climate resilient future, I mean, many Singapore listed stocks, they've you know continued to go ahead with pivots to sustainable energy. Could you help us elaborate on some of the solutions these companies are exploring and what it might do for their stock price? Yeah, we're just even looking at the Straits Times Index alone, there's four mm-hmm. of them. So you have Keppel Corp and Semcorp Industries. They are pursuing strategic pivots to sustainable energy, which obviously include the likes of solar mm-hmm. and wind. And there's another two STI stocks, Yangtze Jiang Shipbuilding, which is pursuing more fuel-efficient maritime solutions. Mm-hmm. You also have Citrium, which is pursuing more cleaner and greener solutions in their offshore offshore marine and energy industries Mm -hmm. and those four stocks together they contribute between 10 to 15 cents in every dollar that goes to work in our stock market every day Mm -hmm. Uh, Semcorp Industries has also led the STI this year with a 58% total return Mm -hmm. Um, Semcorp Industries to support the global energy transition it aims to grow its net profit contribution from its sustainable solutions portfolio up to seventy mm-hmm. percent by twenty twenty five. And then you've also got Keppel Corp, that's actually been the second strongest performing STI stock this year, a fifty five percent total return. In the first half of this year, its renewable energy portfolio grew to three gigawatts and that uh makes up over 60% of its total energy portfolio, which is just on the five gigawatts on mm. a gross basis. And then, yeah, Yangtze Jung, the third strongest SDI stock this year as well, with a 28% total mm. return. And it's outstanding order book, um, close to 15 billion US, but 56 of the order book is now cleaner energy vessels. Mm-hmm. And Citrium is, as I said, one of those four as well. It's generated more flattish total returns this year, but at the same time, it's also joined the STI this year. Right. And its net order book consists of around 40% renewables and cleaner, greener solutions. I see, I see. And I also now want to move on to Tamasic Holdings. It also captured news headlines this week, and that's because a senior executive said that the state investment firm is still excited about the China market. And that's even as investing in the world's second largest economy has become more challenging, of course, amid a slowdown in tension with the West. What growth areas is Tamasic targeting in China moving forward? Yeah, so Tomasic and GRC, they both remain optimistic. Um, despite the challenges that come with the immediate slowdown, GIC said it's doubling down on some of those sectors that really remain investable, and that's green technology, 
Uh, they also see consumption playing a bigger role in the nation over the long term, to pre- and that presents opportunities as well. And that's all part of its massive structural rebalance that it's strategically moving towards mm-hmm. in, in, with policymakers in China. Tamasic said it's still excited about the China market, sees attractive opportunities in areas such as advanced manufacturing and that energy transition. And China, I think, makes up around 20 to 22% of Tomasic's portfolios uh, and investments in their, their, I guess on a stock level, it's, it's more like uh, JDCom, Alibaba, China Construction Bank and so forth. Speaking of the economy, I now want to move on to the world's largest economy, and that's the United States. It looks like consumer price index rose 0.6% in August, month on month. Core CPI, which excludes food and energy costs, rose by 0.3% month-on-month. Some analysts said it was a bit disappointing. How did Singapore shares react to this news? Yeah, pretty good uh, mm. because that and, and APAC as well because while well, the inflation's obviously persisting and a little bit of the headline was expected to tick up mid-year with energy prices, but the impact of the Fed tightening, it is seeing a sustained impact on the CPI, the core CPI, if you look at the month-on-month numbers, mm-hmm. a little bit above uh, estimates, but stripping out food and energy prices, so zeroing in on, on core, month-on-month, there was, it was a three-tenths of a percent rise. Mm-hmm. That's broadly in line with expectations. In terms of what it means for the September FOMC meeting, mm-hmm. we've gone a little bit more dovish. Um, we're, we're seeing markets now price in pretty much a 100% chance the Fed will leave the Fed funds rate at 100%. five and a quarter to five and a half. Mm. Yeah, 100% expectations that mm. you're not going to have any change come September 20, Wednesday evening, early Thursday morning, sing time on the mm-hmm. 21st of September. Also, what we've seen over this week is there's been no increase in expectations whatsoever for rate hikes mm. at future FOMC. So I guess the next number that we'll be watching closely on that inflation front's US would obviously be the August PCE core deflator. Uh, I think it's due, that'll be the Friday night, the 29th of September, and not sure what it will be for August, but for July it was 4.2%. Okay, well, Jeff, you know, of course, that, as you mentioned, we'll be looking out for that FOMC meeting next week, and you said it's a 100% chance that they will stay put. Does that mean now we can expect the Fed to slowly start cutting rates by the end of this year? Yeah, no. uh, No. By the end of next year, we can expect it. Yeah, totally. So so this year, uh, uh, there's maybe a 40% expectation Mm -hmm. there could be a a, a hike uh, by the the mid-December FOMC. So uh, looking next year, you've got your, your odds are pretty much even between 75 basis points in cuts or 100 basis points in cuts for the full 2024 year. So with that, would you say a chance of a recession hitting the U.S. by the end of this year is completely closed? It's not completely closed, but it's it has closed mm-hmm. uh, predominantly because the, the GDP is coming in above two percent. That's mm-hmm. really important, and both and the earnings season that we saw in the US, that is, two stocks beating earnings estimates for every one stock that missed does bode well for the third quarter GDP as well. So the thing is, as long as the US can keep growing at two mm-hmm. percent or higher, the longer the Fed can keep these rates high mm. and really c- crush this structural uh, inflation that's, that, that's you know, emanated from 
from from the U.S. economy over the last few years. I see. Well, thank you so much, Jeff, for that. But before we let you go here, is there anything else investors should be looking out for next week? Yeah, because we've got the F1 on Sunday, mm-hmm. which is the 17th. Uh, we don't have Nodex, um we have because the 17th is always not day, mm. and if the market's not open, it will always be the net, or the, not the market, but the <laughs> but but if it's if it's if it's a weekend or a public holiday, mm-hmm. uh, your Nordex will always be the nearest business day to the right. 17th. So uh, it'll be 8:30 before the Monday opening. Mm. Uh, traders will be watching closely Singapore Nordex for August. Nordex has been in contraction in Singapore since October last year. Mm-hmm. Contractions have uh, ranged from I think 25 percent year-on-year contraction as much as that in January mm-hmm. uh, and as narrow as an eight percent contraction in March so the most recent print was for July and that was a 20 percent year-on-year contraction for Singapore Nordex but what bodes better for mm-hmm. August is that Taiwan exports which have also been in contraction for a long time since September 2022 mm-hmm. uh, it's August 2023 year-on-year contraction at seven percent was was the narrowest contraction it's seen since October last year. And the South Korea uh, has also been in contraction in its trade exports numbers mm. uh, since October last year. And its trade contraction in August was the fourth narrowest uh, as well since since October 2022. Mm. Um, it really bodes down to electronics and machinery. Mm. So Nordex for uh, every three months, a quarter in Singapore. Mm-hmm. Unotix is usually in the vicinity of 40 to 50 billion Sing dollars a quarter, mm. but um, around 10 billion of that's usually from electronics, and then you've got 30 billion to 40 billion from non-electronics and other types of machinery, transport solutions, chemical products, and so forth. So um, this will be interesting, mm-hmm. but remember, these are backward-looking numbers. The right. stocks and sectors are increasingly looking to 2024. Mm-hmm. AEMs, uh, move today means that the share price is level for mm-hmm. the year to date with a marginal 1% total return while at the same time uh, UMS is up something like 10% year to date uh, Franken Group's up 23% year to date as well mm-hmm. and just one more thing Hongbin yeah. traders also will be watching screens 9.15am Wednesday China's benchmark loan prime rate uh, could be adjusted lower as that uh, medium-term loan facility cut back in August that wasn't fully passed through to the loan prime rate. so mm. um, And that's obviously hot, hot on the heels of the reserve uh, requirement ratio cut. Mm. Once again, we have a lot to look out for. Well, thank you yeah. so much, Jeff, for joining me today. Thanks, Hongbin. Thank you very much. Thank you. Have a great weekend. You too. We've been speaking with Jeff Howie, market strategist at the SGX. I'm Hong Bin Jung, and this has been Market Wrap of the Week on Market Views. Stay with Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.